You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, happy Sunday and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be continuing our reaction to Arsenal's narrow win in terms of the scoreline over Norwich City. Really, really looking forward to breaking this one down tactically for you, uh, sharing some kind of... Uh, analysis points, I guess, insights, um, you know, observations that I made uh, off the back of that game, having watched it for a second time now. Uh, so, yeah, really uh, looking forward to getting into this one because after the Manchester City game, which was obviously our last Premier League outing, I didn't even want to do a tactical analysis. It felt like it was going to be so damn depressing that I didn't even want to touch it. And instead, we talked about the biggest situation at Arsenal. We talked about some of the mistakes Mikel Arteta made, but we didn't I don't think break the game down tactically because the overriding feeling of disappointment really took over. I do really enjoy doing these shows. I really enjoy putting them together. I really enjoy watching the game back again with my notepad and kind of being able to watch it and analyze it and study it without that in-game emotion that obviously is there when you're watching it live. So, uh, as I say, really enjoy doing these shows. I hope you guys enjoy them as well. And uh, yeah, looking forward to breaking this one down. Let's say a few hellos in the chat box. Uh, let's say hello to D-Metal, to Bungle, to Inter, to Said, to Ashton, uh, to Black and Blanco and to Matt G. Hope you guys are all well. The sun is shining here in London. I know I always talk about the weather, but it does really impact my mood. I've even got a flowery T-shirt on for those of you listening on the audio who can't see. Just kind of sums up how I'm feeling. I'm feeling liberated, free after Arsenal won uh, in the Premier League. Now, we said it on the show last night, on the post-match reaction show. We talked a lot about the good things that Arsenal did. Right at the start of the programme, we put the caveat in that we do know that it is Norwich. We do know that it is a game that, you know, we should be winning. And we do know that there are tougher challenges to come in the Premier League this season, as we've already found out. But that shouldn't take away from some of the tactical differences that we saw, some of the tweaks, some of the individual performances. No game is a given in the Premier League, let's be honest. And yes, we're not you know, out of the woods yet. We haven't turned our season around completely just because we beat Norwich. But if you can't enjoy a win, what the hell is the point? You know, what the hell is the point? It's like people want to be outraged. It's like people want to be pissed off. It's like people want to be disappointed. Enjoy the win. Enjoy your Sunday off the back of that win. And we move forward and the focus turns to Burnley next weekend. Right. Let's, um, Let's take you through some of the different bits and pieces then uh, from a tactical perspective. So some of the things I want to cover today, I want to cover Arsenal's high press because I thought it worked really, really well yesterday, a lot better than it has done uh, in the opening weeks of the season. I want to talk about Takahiro Tomiyasu's debut and role within this team. I want to talk a little bit about Martin Odegaard and a little bit more about we, how we can get more and how we got more, I guess, yesterday out of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang than we have done in recent months. I think I'm going to start off with the high press bit. Now, if you are listening via the audio platforms, that is absolutely fine. 
But if you wish to see the graphics and the, the screenshots that I'm going to share, which will hopefully help explain my points a little bit clearer, then uh, feel free to come over to the YouTube channel. Just type in the Chronicles of Aguna uh, on YouTube. You'll find us there and you'll be able to find the video. Alternatively, you can stay on the audio. That's absolutely fine. And I will do my utmost to explain uh, the points I am making. But let's start with that high press. Now, the high press from Arsenal was visible yesterday from the very off. And what you'll find interesting in this first screenshot that I've put is this is a situation, I think it was around about 10 minutes in, where the ball was played out to the Norwich centre-half and Ainsley Maitland-Niles had stepped out of the midfield to close the player down. Now, not only is Ainsley Maitland-Niles from the centre of midfield pushing right up the pitch to try and squeeze the play to try and nick the ball off of Norwich to put them under pressure, to force them into an error, etc., etc. Um, you also see Martin Odegaard even slightly further ahead next to him on the right-hand side, making sure that he's cutting out the channel to, I think it's Hanley, the number five, uh, just to Odegaard's right. You can see Aubameyang occupying the player that's pulled out to the left-hand side, or at least being in close proximity to him. So what you've seen here is Arsenal press as a unit. Talked about it time and time again. If you want to be a successful pressing side, you need to press as a unit. It can't be half-assed. It can't be one or two players doing it and the rest not. It has to be a unified effort, a team effort. And here, this is the first phase. Now, this is one particular press that Arsenal did and did to good effect in the first half, which I've highlighted here. And I've broken down into three different parts so I can show you the different phases of it. But Arsenal, for the first half an hour of the game, I thought did this really, really well. Dropped off a little bit in the uh, last 15 minutes of the first half, but then we picked it up again in the second period, which was good to see. So I don't know what that was down to. I don't know if that was down to a lack of concentration, a lack of fitness. I'm not 100% sure, but this is phase one of that high press. So as I say, you can see Ainsley Maitland-Niles closing down the centre-back. You can see Aubameyang and Odegaard almost in a flat line across Norwich's uh, defence, making sure that they're providing that first layer of press resistance. If we move on to the next screenshot, which is from the same action, Norwich managed to get the ball out to the left-hand side. And again, Maitland-Niles is still on his man in the centre. Aubameyang still occupying the player on Norwich's right, Arsenal's left. Odegaard has gone completely to close Hanley, the left of Norwich's centre-backs. And now you can see another couple of Arsenal players entering the picture. You've got Sambi Lakonga closing down in the middle and you've got Nicolas Pepe going out to the ball receiver. So you've seen phase one of the press, the first three players. Now you're seeing phase two with the next couple of guys. And Norwich play the ball then down the left-hand side and up steps the third line of Arsenal's press resistance, which includes Gabriel pushing forward onto his man and Takahiro Tomiyasu pushing up and winning the ball back for Arsenal. So you can see, you can almost break it down into three lines of press. Aubameyang, Maitland-Niles and Odegaard, who's just out of your picture on this screenshot. Then it's Saka, Lekonga and Pepe. And then it's Gabriel and Takahiro Tomiyasu. So Arsenal did that really, really well yesterday in, you know, on a number of occasions, they pushed up the pitch, they squeezed people up. They didn't allow Norwich City to settle in the first half an hour of the game. And although we didn't create that many clear-cut chances during that particular part of the game, we completely strangled Norwich. They did nothing. They really struggled to get out of their 
um, out of their penalty area. There were a couple of moments where they broke forward. There was one where uh, Solis played a ball across the penalty area. Nobody managed to uh, get on the end of it. And there was a Max Aaron's cross as well in the first half. But other than that, Norwich did nothing. Norwich didn't cause us any problems. Norwich were unable to get themselves going and get their game ticking because Arsenal's press was so aggressive and it was so much better than it has been in recent weeks. Now, am I saying that it's perfect? No, um, I'm not. You know, there are there are going to be times where I think we're going to struggle with that. I think it's a risky game to play. And I'm not sure that we're equipped in terms of our squad necessarily just yet to be able to do that. So I am a little bit concerned that when you play against better teams who maybe are a little bit more physical, a little bit quicker, a little bit sharper and have superior quality on the ball, this is going to be less effective. But I think you could clearly see at the very least what it was that Mikel Arteta and Arsenal wanted to do. And I think for the most part, it worked uh, It worked to good effect. So the press was much better. It was much improved. Um, and fingers crossed, we'll see that a little bit more often. The other thing I wanted to really talk about, or one of the other things I wanted to talk about, was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now, I've talked a lot, and I mentioned it again on yesterday's show, post-match reaction, about how important it is that Arsenal get the most out of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. If Arsenal to stand any chance of challenging for the European places this season, they need Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to be somewhere close to his best. And a lot of the shortcomings that we've seen from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the last, you know, f you know, year or so have been sometimes due to a, a lack of desire, I think, just watching him, looking at his body language. Sometimes it's been tactical. And I think yesterday we actually utilised him a lot better than we have done in recent times. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is a pacey forward. OK, he loves to run in behind. He loves to stretch opponents. He loves to run channels. He's a very different centre forward to, for example, Alexander Lacazette, who would prefer to receive the ball to his feet to Lacazette, who feels comfortable getting the ball on the edge of the box and either turning or bringing somebody else into the game. Aubameyang is not that type of striker. He likes to play on the shoulder. He likes to be played into space. He likes to run onto things and he likes to be given his freedom that way and to be unleashed in that particular way. And I want to just highlight a couple of examples where Arsenal did. And again, you know, you have to consider this is Norwich and not everybody's going to apply themselves the way Norwich did. But I think Arsenal were very good or much better at getting the ball in behind to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang early than they have been over the last year or so. This is the first example. It came from a Norwich break. And Kieran Tierney, when the ball came through to him, it was from that situation I mentioned where Norwich broke down the left, the cross came across the penalty area. And uh, it was Tierney who let the ball run across him, looked up, saw Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on his bike and hit one down the line. Now, this ended in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang trying an early shot, trying to catch Tim Crawl out. It didn't go in, obviously. Um, but... Just releasing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang that bit quicker means that he can run into spaces. And you'd back Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in a foot race against most defenders. Once he gets going, he's incredibly powerful in his sprint and he gets onto this ball and he gets the shot away. Now, again, not the desired outcome, but it's a prime example of Arsenal getting the ball in behind Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Another example was in the second half, where again, this time it was Ainsley Maitland-Niles Arsenal win the ball back. He looks up. First thought is, where's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? He's on the shoulder 
of the defender. Let's dink a ball over the top for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to run onto. Again, didn't lead to a goal, but you're seeing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang getting that service quicker. And that is so, so important if you're to get the most of him. And then the other example that I've highlighted off the back of the game was the one that Martin Odegaard played for him. Um, I know the flag went up in this situation. I haven't looked at the replay. I don't actually think it was offside. But this was a really good example of Arsenal working to get the ball into a Bamiyan quicker than normal. And this time it was Martin Odegaard. Now, remember, Martin Odegaard is supposed to be, and I quote, the number 10 uh, in this team. He is currently on the halfway line in this screenshot. He's behind Lokonga, behind Tomiyasu, behind Tierney. He's dropped into that deeper position to get on the ball. He turns and he sees Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang again on his bike. Lovely dink ball over the top. Tim Krull made the save in the end. But again, a prime example of how Arsenal are clearly looking to release Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang a lot quicker than they have been doing in recent times. And that is so, so important, you feel, if we're going to get more out of him. The ball needs to be played early. We talk a lot about Arsenal playing sideways, about the, um, you know, the inability to break people down, etc., etc., etc. But sometimes you need to be a little bit more direct. That's been one of the big criticisms towards Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. And it's good to see that they've at least realised that and I guess understand and acknowledge that the best way of of unlocking Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's talent is, is to do that. Now, look, there's a couple of you in the comments that are just, you know, complaining about everything. I've even had one of you telling me on, or a couple of you telling me on YouTube this morning that I've been deleting your comments. Let me just tell you something, right? If you put comments in the live chat and you go back and watch the video later on, they don't show in the video comments because the live chat is different to the comment section. So please don't, start messaging me telling me that I've deleted your comments. If I spent my Saturday night deleting comments that didn't agree with me, I would do nothing else. And actually, I had a really nice evening last night. I watched the tennis. I watched match of the day, et cetera, et cetera. So let's not, um, let's not uh, get involved in, in nonsense like that. If you don't like the show, if you don't like what I'm saying, if you don't enjoy the content, you don't have to watch it. You know, newsflash, you don't have to watch it. Anyway, uh, moving on, let's go back uh, to some uh, some more of that kind of tactical analysis. Let's talk a little bit about Nicolas Pepe, because he was a player for me who really performed well yesterday. Again, another player who's received criticism on social media from what I believe to be fans that just simply want to moan. Could he have done more in terms of end product? Maybe. But Nicolas Pepe makes things happen and he makes things happen almost every time he's on the ball. Um, you can see here, you know, I talked about the press and the aggression of the press. Now, this was late on in the game. Look at this from Nicolas Pepe. He's closing down Tim Krull, um, you know, on the edge of his penalty area. He does brilliantly and and he forces Tim Krull into a mistake here. Tim Krull gives the ball away here for Norwich City because of Pepe's willingness to press him high up the pitch. Now, you can say what you like about Nicolas Pepe. At times, we talked about him not tracking back. In the second half of last season, at the beginning of this season, he's shown that he's, he's very willing to do that. Very, very willing uh, to work hard 
and to close people down and to do a shift for the team. And I thought he was fantastic again yesterday. And this is just a prime example. There were many examples of Nicolas Pepe pushing high up the pitch, squeezing people, trying to force errors. But this was an excellent one, I thought, because he's just a million miles away from every other Arsenal player, closing down Tim Krul, making his life difficult and forcing him into an error. That's what pressing is all about, okay? A lot of the time with a press, you don't win the ball. You you want to win the ball, obviously, and there'll be times where you do win the ball and then you can break. But a lot of the time, it's about forcing people into errors as well. And that can be just as Im impactful in terms of winning the ball back as actually tackling someone. So great to see him do that. And another just screenshot I wanted to highlight of Nicolas Pepe was this one, uh, where Arsenal ended up creating a chance here. Bukayo Saka continued his run through the middle. Pepe had left a couple of Norwich players for dead. He'd essentially taken three Norwich players out of the game here. He starts to drive in field. He opens up his foot. He's looking for the pass. Saka pushes forward. Aubameyang pulls out to the left. He picks out Aubameyang, who has his shot eventually saved by Tim Krull. But again, Nicolas Pepe's aggression, Nicolas Pepe's directness and willingness to run towards goal, um, clearly on show there, clearly on show. Um so great to see uh, again. Uh, let's say a big hello to Bungle, who's just signed up to become a member of the channel, my friend. Thank you so, so much. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't done so already and you'd like to become a member, you can do so by clicking the join button below if you're watching on your computer or you can click the link in the description and we welcome you all. Please remember, my friend, to check out the community tab, grab yourself the Discord server link and come and join us. It's a members only Discord server and we'd love to have you in there. Uh, let's see uh, what else we've got. Let's say a few more hellos before we continue. DJD uh, says hello from Cyprus, the motherland. Hope you're well, my friend. Um, Richard Barker says, good day of sport yesterday. Relieved to get the win finally. Yeah. And I mentioned that I watched the tennis. Wow. I've just got to mention that, you know, in passing. Emma Raducanu, what an achievement that was. And what a performance. I thought that was an incredibly good game of tennis. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a brilliant advert for women's tennis. and. You know, although Leila Fernandez got beaten, I think you have to say that she's got a massive future ahead of her as well. So looking forward to watching how those two's careers uh, unfold. And it was nice, wasn't it, to kind of come home from an Arsenal game. I did the post-match reaction podcast. I poured myself a nice cold beer. I sat down, put my feet up and enjoyed the tennis, followed by a match of the day off the back of an Arsenal win. What more do you want? What more do you want? Um Let's say uh, a big hello to uh, Pan Rasta One uh, from Trinidad and Tobago. Hope you're well. Um, hope you're good. Uh, lots of you uh, praising Nicolas Pepe, which is great to see. Um, <laughs> Rahil Derani says, morning, Harry. Feels weird this weekend, doesn't it? An Arsenal win. I can get used to this. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, but somehow there's still Arsenal fans that want to make it into a negative. Uh, crazy. Crazy. Right. Uh, let's... Um, Let's talk a little bit more about the game and the win over Norwich City. And for this next part, I'm going to take you over to the famous old tactics board. Now, we talked a lot about the pressing, so I'm not going to, you know, kind of go over that too much. We showed some examples, but just to give you a quick kind of run through once again, you saw Oba, you saw Odegaard and you saw one of the midfielders, whether that was Maitland-Niles or Lakonga, making sure they uh, stepped into that front pressing line. And then we saw the next phase and the next phase after that. And it was really, really positive to see uh, from Arsenal, to see that they were doing it as a team, because as I've said repeatedly, 
it doesn't work unless you do it as a unit, unless you do it as a team. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about was the role of Takahiro Tomiyasu. Now, of course, the Japanese international signed for the club um, earlier in the week. Um, well, last week he went on international duty, obviously uh, played for Japan during their 1-0 win over China. Most recently came back to the club and there was a lot of talk around whether Tomiyasu would start the game or not. Now, one thing I have to give Tomiyasu a lot of praise for is I thought he was incredibly intense. And, and that's great to see because when you think, as someone who watches a lot of Serie A like I do, when I think about what I would worry about with regards to a player moving from the Serie A to the Premier League, I'd think about the pace of the game, the intensity at which it's played. I'd wonder if a player could adapt very quickly or if they'd need some time to kind of get up to speed and if they'd be a little bit shell-shocked. But Takehiro Tomiyasu looked like he'd been playing in his Premier League. Um, sorry, looked like he'd been playing in the Premier League all of his life because he came in, he understood the intensity. I'm sure there was a bit of enthusiasm and adrenaline playing in front of a packed Emirates stadium as well that, you know, helped in that sense. But he was really physical, really strong, really quick, really hardworking. And and I thought he was one of Arsenal's standout players. Obviously got substituted off a little bit later on in the game. As I mentioned, he'd been away on international duty, hadn't had much time training with his side, but you wouldn't have thought it. You wouldn't have thought it. And I thought he was really unlucky uh, not to score when he volleyed uh, that ball um, over the top of the crossbar with an acrobatic effort. It was fantastic. But uh, yeah, really, really impressed by Takahiro Tomiyasu. And I think there's been a lot of talk about what kind of role he's going to play in this Arsenal side. We know that he's a player who's equally comfortable playing at centre-back as he is at right-back. And many of us were wondering whether Mikel was going to switch to a back three off of the back of Tomiyasu coming in. And that actually isn't what happened. What we saw from Takahiro Tomiyasu was... At times, him getting forward in this inverted position, affording Nicolas Pepe the freedom of the flank, but being there to support him when he needed him. I thought there were a number of occasions where Pepe tried to go on the outside, made things happen, won corners, etc. There were other times where he was forced back inside. And every single time, Tomiyasu was there in that tucked in inverted position to receive the ball, to give Nicolas Pepe an option. Now, we, uh, myself included, thought that actually Tomiyasu was going to be a little bit more conservative in his game. A lot of us felt that it was a, a signing made very much with the view that Kieran Tierney would now continue to bomb on down the left-hand side on the overlap of Bukayo Saka and that the Arsenal defence would be able to shift into a back three whereby Tomiyasu becomes the right-sided centre-back and that would give us that extra bit of stability. If you remember last season when we did some of these tactical breakdown shows, we constantly talked about Granit Xhaka dropping into that defensive line. This time, it looks as though Mikel Arteta wants to see it from the player at right back. And that's why Takahiro Tomiyasu, in terms of his profile, fits in really, really well. Now, did he do this at times? Yes, he did. But he also was aggressive in becoming that, uh, becoming part of that third line of the Arsenal press and uh, sometimes the second line I, I thought he was really really good I thought he managed it really really well in terms of going forward I do think that Takahiro Tomiyasu will play more like a right centre-back when Arsenal push Kieran Tierney on especially against stronger opposition especially against opposition that we feel 
um, are going to cause us more problems themselves. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this this adapts and how he changes it going forward and the role that he goes on to play. But I was really encouraged by the fact that he can seem to do that. He can seem to tuck in. He's very physical in terms of his stature as well. You know, you can read how tall someone is, right, on a, on a profile website. But until you actually see them in the flesh, I don't think you really understand it. And I thought he brought a physical presence. I think a way to Burnley, he'll be someone that, um, you know, will come in good use, hopefully, given that. But strong, quick, committed, um, seem to be tactically aware, willing to get forward, but also has the legs to get back as well. There was one instance yesterday, I think, where Solis uh, was played in down the left-hand side for Norwich City. And Tommy Asu actually got caught quite high up the pitch, but within no time, he, you know, he, he turned on the burners and he caught up to him, didn't commit himself, held him up, used his kind of body to kind of get in the way, slow the Norwich City attack down and allow his teammates to get back. So, yeah, you know, I thought he was, um, I thought he was impressive. And remember, that's just his debut. So I think there's more to come from Takahiro Tommy Asu. And I'm still not sure that he's always going to be as adventurous as he was yesterday. I'm not sure that that will be the case against some of the stronger sides, as I mentioned. But I thought he did uh, really, really well. And I was very impressed by what we saw from him. Just uh, one final, uh, final mention. Uh, I know we talked about him a little bit on the post-match, and I'm going to do my player ratings in a moment. Um, but Martin Odegaard, you know, I thought he was really good as well. I, I said it yesterday. I felt that although in terms of what he is supposed to do or in terms of, no, supposed to is the wrong word. In terms of what it is that you think of in terms of Martin Odegaard and his qualities, we didn't see that much of that yesterday. But what you did see is a committed uh, display. And and that's, if, if somebody asked me to describe Arsenal's performance yesterday in one word, I would say committed. And Martin Odegaard was a perfect example of that. So, yeah, you know, really, really impressed by him again. And, and you can see why Mikel Arteta likes him. Having said all of that, there have been lots and lots of positives um, to take away from yesterday's game, in my opinion, with regards to the way we applied ourselves, with regards to some of the tactical tweaks we saw. But am I getting carried away? No, I'm not. And, and I don't understand why people feel that just because we're enjoying a victory, uh, it means that we think all the problems are done and all the problems are solved and that Arsenal's completely turned the corner. It's absolutely not the case. I promise you that is not the case. And I promise you that's not what I think. But there were positives. And just like we're going to sit here over the course of the season, I'm sure, on numerous occasions and call out the negatives, criticise the team, criticise the manager, criticise the individual players. I think we've got to give credit where credit is due. And um, and there were some good performances yesterday. As I said, the one word I'd use to describe the performance is committed. And um, and I guess at a time where confidence was at an all-time low, at a time where we were in desperate need for a victory, all that really matters to me is that we got that victory and that we did it by playing in a very aggressive and committed style of football. People would talk about, you know, that we, we only narrowly won it. We had 30 shots at goal. You can't one week moan that we don't create chances and then the next week moan that we had 30 shots at goal or, or, or dismiss that we had 30 shots at goal. That's the most shots at goal Arsenal have had in a Premier League game since December 2017. So not everything is perfect. Not everything is rosy. Arsenal haven't turned the corner yet, but 
plenty uh, to be pleased about. And, and just enjoy it, man. Just enjoy the rest of your weekend. Anyway, uh, let's uh, take some of your questions in the live chat box. Start getting them in there. I'd love to uh, pick out a few of those uh, between now and the end of the live show. If you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button on the stream. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't uh, done so just yet. Let's have a quick look um, at what where we are at in terms of likes at this moment in time. Uh, just waiting for it to load. No, nope, wrong video. That's not going to help me, is it? Clicking on the wrong video. Uh, let's see uh, what we've got. 50 likes on the board, but there's 233 of you watching us on YouTube right now. So let's try and get that up to 100 at least. Right. Um, let's take this comment from Jack, who says, Harry, do you think Saka should be dropped? Love the guy, but he's badly out of form for us. Hasn't scored a league goal in seven months. I mean, what, three of those months were what, May, middle of May to June, July and half of August, two and a half of those months, uh, we weren't playing football. So that's, that is a little bit, you know, um, a little bit unfair, I would say, but I, I get what you're saying. I do think in the attacking third, sometimes Bukayo Saka hasn't been clinical enough. He hasn't made that difference enough. You know, he, he can pick the passes out and he's created a lot, I think, in terms of opportunities. I think sometimes though you're right, I think that he could do more. I, I've said it time and time again on the show in recent weeks that I feel like our over-reliance on him and Emil Smith-Rowe for goals and creativity could be what sees us fall a little bit short come the end of the season because the outputs, at least up until now in their careers, haven't always been there um, in comparison to some of the other wingers and, and central attacking midfielders in, in the teams that we're likely to be competing with. So, yeah. Um, I'm not going to say I definitely want him dropped, but I can see the point. Yeah, you know, it's a valid one for sure. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, Sergei has said, you said you wouldn't mind if we got a scrappy 1-0 scoreline, Harry. You guessed it right. Yeah, because not because I only wanted to see Arsenal score once or because I only wanted to see Arsenal, you know, get a, a scrappy 1-0 win. Obviously, I'd have preferred Arsenal to go and put 4-5 past them, make a real statement. But I think when the kind of mood and atmosphere around the club is as negative as it has been over the last four weeks. And, and, you know, for good reason, I think that it's not always easy to just, you know, how do you just click your fingers and make everything come back to how you want it to be? That very rarely happens. And I think sometimes it's about, well, I think all the time it's about gradually building up that confidence again and the win against Norwich it won't have completely fixed everything. It won't have gotten gone Arsenal's or seen Arsenal's confidence go from zero to a hundred. But what it will have done is seen Arsenal look back and go, you know what? We did create opportunities. We did play on the front foot. We did, you know, force saves out of Tim Krull. We did go close on a number of occasions. Therefore, we can create chances if we just take the shackles off. We can defend if we stay concentrated for 90 minutes. And I think that it's about gradually building that confidence back up. The first three weeks of the season were really painful from an Arsenal perspective. And that damage doesn't get kind of repaired just with a, a win over Norwich City. But it's the first step towards rebuilding the confidence in and among this team. So long way to go. But yeah, I, I recognise that there would be a lot of pressure. Sometimes pressure can, can be 
a weight on your shoulders. Norwich City had no pressure whatsoever. I know they haven't started the season well either, but they're Norwich City. And going away to Arsenal is not a game that anybody expects them to get anything out of. So it's very, very different. Uh, Matt G with a question on Vivian Miedema. Uh, 100 goals in 110 games with zero penalties for the Arsenal women. Is Vivian Miedema human? I'm starting to think she's not. She's a fantastic player. Really, really is. Uh, Rahil Durrani says, who was your man of the match? Hmm. Um, I'm going to give it to Nicolas Pepe, actually, because I just think he was instrumental in everything good we done in an attacking sense. I thought his work rate was incredible. I talked about him making things happen. And maybe, although he didn't get the kind of desired outcome with some of his efforts at goal, you know, that goal that we did score, it came from Nicolas Pepe. It came from Nicolas Pepe doing really well, making space for the shot, forcing a good save out of crawl. It come off the post. He is the, Then it came off the post again, and Nicolas Pepe was in and amongst it to kind of deflect it into Aubameyang's path. So I do think that um, Nicolas Pepe was, was incredibly relentless I guess in the way he attacked Norwich City yesterday and I thought in everything good we did in an attacking sense he was involved so yeah um and and going back to those screenshots I've shown you as well about how he was consistently pressing and working hard for the team and and doing that even in the latter stages of the game when it would have been quite easy actually for Arsenal to just drop off sit that little bit deeper uh he continued to do that so yeah fair play to him and I think I'd go with him uh Ever so Gaza says, do you think in combination White and Ramsdale are good signings? Listen, I, I think I think it's it's fair to say that we we paid over the odds for both of them. Okay. And that is that Premier League slash English premium that we talk about time and time again. Do I think they'll go on to be good players for Arsenal? Yeah, I do. I think Ben White brought a calmness to the Arsenal defense yesterday when in possession, when trying to play out from the back. Again, not his biggest test, and he'll have much more difficult games over the course of this season than that one yesterday. But I do think a lot of what Arsenal are trying to do is to do with the character of the players that they're signing as well. Edu alluded to that. And in particular, in Ramsdale's case, I saw someone, and I don't know if you could see this from the television, but someone who was constantly communicating, even when Arsenal were in possession, someone who constantly made himself available, someone whose starting position was a little bit higher up than that of Bern Leno's, which gave Arsenal's defence that kind of confidence to push that a little bit further, knowing that Ramsdale was alert behind them and would, was willing to sweep things up, clean things up. He went over and encouraged certain players during certain moments in the game. You could see him literally walk out of his goal, go and give a couple of people pats on the back, congratulating his defenders when they made uh, telling contributions. So yeah, I, I thought character-wise, Ramsdale looked brilliant. It wasn't massively tested yesterday, let's be honest. But yeah, I think a lot of it is or a lot of Arsenal's recruitment focus has been not just on bringing in young players that could go on and develop and get better, but also, um, you know, making sure we got the right kind of people in the dressing room, because that's really, really important. Uh, Carrie Tannen says, is there any use for Martinelli? Um, yeah, Martinelli will get game time over the course of the season. I just, I I've said it for the last 12 months. I'm just not sure Martinelli is that far down the progression line in comparison to how some Arsenal fans view him. I think he's a really good, talented player. But I think when he gets given opportunities, he's got to grasp them. He got an opportunity away against Brentford, not the best circumstances, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But he didn't really... I didn't come away from that game saying, do you know what, we were shit, but Gabriel Martinelli really gave a good account of himself. And 
when those opportunities do present themselves, likely in the Carabao Cup, likely in the FA Cup, likely um, when players are missing, which inevitably is going to happen to Arsenal over the course of the season, I think he's got to grab those opportunities with both hands and and make Mikel Arteta want to put him in the team or, or make it so gleamingly obvious that he deserves a place that the manager's got no choice. And I'm, I don't think he's done that yet. I've got to be honest, not under Mikel Arteta, not in the Premier League. AFC 123 says, do you think this back five could make us top six or four contenders? I think they're great. I think they're better than what we've seen. Um, I'm not sure they can make us top four contenders. Top six is where we should be aiming anyway. Um, look, if they can stay fit and, and we can get that bond developed and they can play consistently, then I, I think that it makes us better, not just because of what they bring defensively, but because of the way that Ben White and Takahiro Tomiyasu can, um, you know, can progress the ball as well. I think that was part of why we moved the ball forward quicker earlier yesterday. It starts from the very back. So, yeah, I think there's there's lots of positives, but I think it's too early to to really say. And and my biggest worry is not that they're not up to it, but more so that they're more so that they're you know more so that I worry that they're going to be available all season. I guess is is my thing. That's it. Um, right. Let's uh, let's pick up uh, one more comment before we wrap up the stream. Let's take this one from Vans. Just uh, building on my Martinelli comment, he said we must remember that Martinelli had an ACL injury from personal experience. It takes at least a year. Um, to fully trust your body again, give him time. He's still young. Yeah, completely, completely agree. It's a great point. It is a great point. Right. We are going to leave it there. I will catch you all very, very soon with more football and Arsenal related content. Enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy the victory. I know some of you find that really difficult, but why? You need to take a good hard look in the mirror because um, what's the point in going to football matches if you don't enjoy when you win? Don't understand it. Anyway, catch you all very, very soon. As I say, enjoy your Sundays. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll be back tomorrow with more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.